0: Luke 11, verses 1 to 13, we read this. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend. And you go to him at midnight and say, friend, let me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't. Bother me. The door is already locked. My children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though we will not get up and give you bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you You know, there's something about the heart of a father for a child that we need to capture if we're going to understand who God is. Just last night, actually, George and I were debating (laughs) uh, what it is that we'd want to say. You know, there are moments, there are times in, in the year where, most moments, actually, most weeks, by the way, that we actually do quite a lot of preparation for what's happening here. And there are also times that it just feels like the right thing to be a bit more spontaneous. And, and this week, uh, for, for reasons that may be obvious to you, has been a bit one, more, one of those more spontaneous weeks. But last night, I was, we were sitting outside and I was trying to put um, our kids to bed. And George was sort of, I think, I think it would be fair to say George took pity on me. As I was sitting outside the tent and for the fourth time, Eden had left the tent. Saying that she needed a wee. Now, she'd done three wee's, but she needed a wee, and she sensed that she wasn't really going to get anything from me, and so she upgraded. She said, Daddy, I need a poo. <laughs> it's like It was like an arms race, you know? <laughs> and she got to poo, and I was like, Well, a poo's not one that you can take a risk on. <laughs> she was wearing a bedtime nappy, but, you know, and I hate to be crude on a Sunday morning, you haven't, you haven't come to hear poo stories, have you? But this is what you're getting. When it's spontaneous, you get the real deal, you know? This is parenthood. And so, um, so Katie came and she helped us. And Katie took Eden to the, to the toilet. She came back. Katie, did she do poo? No. Just a dribble of wee. She'd she lied to me. Lied to her own father. Anyway, eventually got rid of her. I got rid of, put her to bed. <laughs> and, uh, and Joseph arrived. Joseph, <laughs> my son... And uh, and he he came and we were sitting on these camp chairs and I just had him in my arms and was holding him and just speaking life over him. I said, Joe, you know what's the most important thing that I have to teach you? What what's the most important thing? I was planning to tell him something about how much I love him and how I just want to, you know teach him, and I was joking with him about how Joe, I was like, Joe, when when you're 16 and I'm walking you to school, this is something we do, when when you're 16 and I'm still walking you to school, will you let me hold your hand? And I was going to, I was saying, Joe, what is it? What is it I want to tell you? And, you know, I try and say, "So I love you, that, you know, all this stuff. And he just said, Dad, stop it. And he walked off. <laughs> Let me say goodnight to my friend. So, you know, there's something important for us. And just even that moment, George and I were just reminded of how important it is to understand the heart of a father. And we've been in a series of talking about the Holy Spirit. And we've been talking about how the Holy Spirit reveals to us who belong to Jesus. What it means that we have a father in heaven who loves us. And Jesus teaches us to pray. It says in Romans 8, which is where we've been based, that it's by the Spirit of God that the people of God cry out, Abba, Father. In other words, it's by the Spirit of God that we use the language of prayer that Jesus himself had. We are incorporated, if you like, into Jesus' own relationship with God as Father. We can cry out, Abba, in other words, prayer becomes for us, not a screaming out into the void, a depersonalized, desperate cry to a God who is nameless. But it's an intimate and tender reaching out the hand to a father who's close. For the Christian, that's what prayer is. It's, it's praying to a father. It's praying to an Abba. So to be a Christian is to know God's address. To know what to write on the letter that we send to God with our prescription. Our desires, our needs, our intentions. To be a Christian is to be able to address God as Father. We can know the name of the Father as Christians. But I think there's a second step that we need to take. And sometimes they happen at the same time. But I think the second step is something we continually have to learn to walk out. And that's not just to know the name of the Father, but to learn the heart of the Father. To learn the heart of the Father. And I suppose that's what I want to speak about today. Even though I don't know exactly what I want to say, I want to speak to you about the heart of the Father. Because when Jesus is... Asked by his friends, who he spent a long time with by this point in Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 11. He's asked, Lord, teach us how to pray. John has taught his disciples. that He's given the prayer course to his disciples, Jesus. You've been too busy healing people to really teach us anything. Jesus is like, oh, that was the teaching I was giving you. Uh, and they're like, no, 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 we want something a bit more, a bit more classroom. Can you do something a bit more textbook? Something maybe that we could sort of join in on, you know? Can you give us a prayer? Can you give us something, Jesus, that might go in the book that we're planning to write? We're thinking of gospel as a title, but can you give us something, Jesus, that we could use, you know? Can you give us a, a prayer? And Jesus says, okay, well, let's start with this. Father, hallowed be your name. When the message translation, I love this, and I think most of the notes I've got on the screen are from the message. Father, reveal who you are. Set the world right. Keep us alive with three square meals. Keep us forgiven with you and forgiving others. Keep us safe from ourselves and the devil. <laughs> You know, Jesus' prayer is an introduction, first and foremost, to a person, to his own Father. And prayer begins, a relationship with God begins with an introduction to Father, to Father. But not just to the name, but to the person, the identity, the essence of Father, the heart of Father, the heart. Because to speak about somebody's heart is actually to speak about their true identity, isn't it? When we say someone's wholehearted we mean that what comes from them goes through them it's that they are of one piece they have integrity Father marooned in the middle of this prayer is this word father reveal who you are and to explain what the father is like Jesus uses a parable and we're going to be by the way in the next few weeks And George is going to be taking us through a series in the parables. So this, I guess, is like the first, it's a parable. It's not one of Jesus' primary parables necessarily, but it is a parable teaching on prayer. But to teach about prayer, and I think actually to teach about the heart of the Father, Jesus uses a parable. And it's a parable in contrasts. This parable is going to be used as a counterpoint almost to say something different about Jesus, about God the Father. And this is what we read. Again, I'll use the message because I think you've got that version on the screen. Then he said, well, he's taught the Lord's Prayer. He's taught the prayer, but now he begins to unpack it. Imagine what would happen if he went to a friend in the middle of the night and said, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. In other words, I need my daily bread. Why, do, why does the friend need his daily bread? Because a friend, another friend has come and knocked on the door late at night, said, look. Friend, I need some food. Now, in this, in this culture, you've got to understand that hospitality had the highest possible value. So to, to, to have somebody knock on your door late at night, whatever the time, and ask for a meal, it would be shameful to turn them away. It would, it would expose you and your whole village to great shame. Now, everybody would have, you know, you would pray for daily bread. That's why the disciples prayed in that way. But if... If there was spare bread going around at the end of the day, everybody in the village would know who's, who had the spare bread. So this friend, this person who's got somebody looking for hospitality, goes to the person that they know has bread to spare. And knocks on the door and said, Look, friend, I'm in a bit of a bind. I've got somebody. Come to my door who wants bread. I don't have a thing on hand. The friend answers from his bed and look, I get this. So I'm going to explain why in a second. Don't bother me. The door's locked. My children are down for the night. I can't get up. I can't get up for anything. It's a bit like you're at focus. You finally zipped the tent shut. Your your two twin daughters have both claimed on multiple occasions they need a poo or a wee. You've been there for half an hour. You've been there for an hour. It's taken so long. Then your son and your elder daughters come. You finally got them to sleep. You're just desperate now to have some time, some peace at the end of the day. You thought you'd be having that peace at 7 p.m. It is now. Now, just speaking, just you know, just like this isn't anybody I know, but just really abstractly for a second, it's now 9:30. You have potentially 10 minutes of time before everybody else comes back from the main session. And somebody comes and says, Look, Joe, sit down in your chair. I said, Look, I just need to speak to you. It's that kind of feeling. It's like. No, I've just got the kids to bed. This is if I unlock the door, I mean, this is the way it would happen in the culture. The bolt, the the metal bolt would wake the children. The children, actually, in this culture, everyone would sleep in one room. The children would sleep on mats by the door, by the bolted door. To unlock the door, never mind the knocking, would wake them up. Friend, I can't get, I can't help you, I'm afraid. The door's locked, my children are asleep. I can't risk waking them up. But Jesus said, yeah, that's the situation. But Jesus says this. Let me tell you, even if you won't get up because he's a friend, I mean, you should do that for a buddy, by the way. If we want to be friends to people, do that. If you stand your ground, knocking and waking all the neighbors, he'll finally get up and get you whatever you need. Jesus is saying, look, even if you won't do it for a friend, because of persistence, you will, or in the NIV, I love this phrase. yet because of your shameless audacity. Isn't that a great phrase? Because you were just barefaced. It was impossible to shame you. He will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Jesus is saying, this is how we behave with, this is how human relationships relationships operate. And here's where the contrast comes. He says this phrase, and I think it's really significant. So I say to you, I say to you, but let me tell you, as it happens in the message, let me tell you, in other words this is how it operates on a human level this is how relationships operate but actually with a father it's different with a father it's different even if you won't get up because you friendly if you stand your ground but here's what i'm saying sorry verse 9 ask and you'll get seek and you'll find knock and the door will open don't bargain with god be direct Ask for what you need. This is not cat and mouse. A cat and mouse hide and seek game we're in. Or the NIV, another translation says, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. The text goes on and says, If your little boy... Asks for a serving of fish, do you scare him with a live snake on his plate? If your little girl asks for an egg, do you trick her with a spider? As bad as you are, you wouldn't think of such a thing. You're at least decent to your own children. Well, most of the time. (laughs) And don't you think the father who conceived you in love will give you the Holy Spirit when you ask? This is a parable in contrast. The friend is unwilling to answer his friend late at night due to not wanting to wake the kids. Despite the fact that the culture demands hospitality and help. But Jesus says the father's not like that. You don't need to keep knocking to wake the father. The father's, relation, the father's attention is on demand. The father is ready to respond. The father is attentive. The father is close at hand. Even if a human friend won't respond to us or to you, to the call, unless we were to persist with shameless audacity, yet the father is ready. The father is close. The father is not like the friend. The father doesn't scare us by giving us a snake when we ask for a fish. The father doesn't deceive us by giving us a stone or a scorpion when we ask for an egg. There is something categorically different about the identity of the father, but also the heart of the father. The father is good, and the father gives good gifts to his children. A good father gives good gifts to his children. How many of us have read this story? And I I confess I even wrestled with this myself last night, this morning. How many of us read this story and thought, Jesus is asking me to badger the father persistently until he hears me. We've interpreted this parable to be Something which says we have to be, I don't know if I can use that phrase, uh, uh, bloody minded, I've said it. We've got to be so persistent. We've got to keep hammering on the door of heaven until God is awoken. Because we have a vision of the Father that he's slumbering he's, he's slumbering elsewhere. He's too busy to be trifling with the matters of our human lives. Have you have you lived? Have you thought as if God has this kind of approach to you? I certainly have. As if in order to sort of, in order to sort of awaken him, I've got to do something, I've got to do something really serious. Like, like he's really onto it when I do stuff wrong. Oh yeah, the best way to get his attention is to do stuff wrong, oh yeah. And maybe you've had a human parent that's like this. Like, you know, you could, you could perform at school, you get all your A-levels, all A's at A-level or A-star or whatever it is you can get these days. Grade inflation, folks. It's a misery. You can get all of the be- not even a lick of attention, but if you do something wrong, oh, mum and dad are onto it. Some of us behaviours, if the father's like that, we're terrified, Well, he's gonna... What will he do if I do something wrong? But to get his attention with positive behavior, that would be impossible. To get his attention for something as little as just asking. Oh, come on. No, surely not. If I act, no, I've got to do something far more than ask. Or maybe you're a bit more like me and it's more about performance. Performance was how you got attention. So doing stuff well, looking the right way or doing the right stuff, behaving the right way. You know, I, was a vicar. I am a vicar's kid. So from a young age, I was aware how you behaved. I remember one of, the, one of my earliest memories was being at school, Church of England Primary School, and the dinner lady saying, uh, I can't say dinner lady now, we you know whatever the sort of politically correct term is, saying, you can't do that. You're the vicar's son. To which, honestly, inwardly, I was saying, my response inwardly was, you watch me. <laughs> I think that birthed a little bit of the rebel in me. You know, I learned how to behave. I learned how to, to answer the door to homeless people asking for a cheese sandwich and to bishops who were coming around for lunch. I knew how to do that. I knew how to show the right side to put on the right face. But in all of that sort of behavior, I think I missed some of what is said here about the Father. The Father doesn't need us to perform. The Father doesn't need us to impress him. The Father doesn't even need us to keep badgering him. says this really simply. Don't bargain with God. Be direct. <laughs> Ask for what you need. This isn't a cat and mouse hide and seek game we're in. Ask and you'll receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened. And that way of praying, that way of living, demands a vision of the Father which is based upon his utter goodness, his faithful love and his utter consistency to us. And... Jesus says, he won't give us bad gifts, he will give us good gifts. He will give us the greatest gift he has to offer, his own presence, the Holy Spirit. In the New International Version, the NIV. If you then, though your evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You know, having a, a vision of the Father who is a good and loving Father doesn't mean we always get what we want. But it does mean God provides for our needs. And our greatest need as human beings is to live with his presence always. And the promise we get is to live, that we will live in his presence. So I just want to encourage you, Amy and I, away for the next three Sundays. In these next three Sundays, as George and others are teaching into the parables, I want to encourage you to ask the Father for what you need. If you have a vision of the father, which is that he wouldn't want to be bothered or disturbed by you, unless there's a crisis, or that you, you need to perform in order to make him happy, or that actually the only way to get his attention is not to perform, I want to I encourage you to, to do a little scientific test, to abandon that hypothesis, and to try a new one on for size, which is that when you speak, he listens, and that he hears And that he answers. Keep asking for the good gifts of the kingdom. Because he's a good father. And speaking of good gifts. We're going to celebrate the Lord's table together.